Hello and welcome to Autism Society of Berks County, Inspiration and Impact. I'm your host, Carol Spencer. So today we're going to talk about autism and eating. And when it comes to autism and eating, I think a good majority of parents of kids who have a diagnosis will tell you that it is a major challenge. And there are sensory factors that impact a child's eating beyond just being a, a picky eater. So today, today to help distinguish between a sensory eater and a picky eater, I am happy to welcome Dory Blanchet, an occupational therapist with Step-by-Step Pediatric Therapy. Hi, Dory. Hi, Carol. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thanks for being here. So let's let's just get right down to the to the differences. What? How does a sensory eater differ from being a picky eater? Well, first, I just want to say with eating, what you just said about parents um, having most parents having issues with eating with their child um, on the autism spectrum. We have to remember that eating is one of the most complicated human behaviors. Um, we're talking about motor issues, sensory issues, and a huge range of social, emotional issues. So I think that makes it one of the challenges um, for kids who have issues with eating is that it, it encompasses so many different um, things uh, that families have challenges with. Um, and when I f- you first asked me about this, um, and I was looking at the picky eaters versus Mm -hmm. sensory eaters. Um, Just going online, there were so many different uh, names that they gave kids on the autism spectrum and with sensory processing issues. Problem eaters, food selective, problem feeders, extremely picky, food aversion, feeding aversion, selective eating, oral defensive, and it goes on and on. But really, when we're talking about kids who are more than picky eaters, typically you're going to have fewer than 10 to 15 foods that they like. Um, they, the frequency and intensity of their behaviors typically causes disruption in everyday life. And the extreme sensory reactions, both physical and emotional, um, are much more prevalent and um, extreme than kids that just are picky eaters. So for example, um, just the sight, smell, or touch of different foods can cause gagging, vomiting, um, a fight-flight reaction, shuddering, fear, anxiety, um, and then behaviors, negative behaviors develop around eating. Um, So those extreme sensory, the frequency and intensity, fewer than 10 to 15 foods, and often having other sensory processing sensitivities and more motor processing delays um, will be a child who has more than just a picky eating issue. Right, so it's not just, oh, I don't like this. They might not like it today. This right. is something, it's more, it's in the brain. It's not just being a pain. Right, <laughs> okay. right. So, and, go ahead. And so that reaction that often the kids, um, when you even present a food will have such an aversion to it, whether it be um, a physical aversion of uh, vomiting Mm -hmm. or um, a behavior of running away from the table or having a temper tantrum or um, that fight or flight Mm -hmm. um, mechanism kicks in. So then it makes um, eating itself really a challenge um, for the family and for the child because they have such a negative um, reaction around it. Yeah, there's a lot. 
that's going on. So we have strategies that we use with a lot of kids, like, well, they'll eat when they're hungry, or you, you can't eat dessert, you can't leave the table until you, until you finish. So why don't these strategies work for somebody who has these sensory issues when it comes to food? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I'm sure a challenge for lots of families and parents, um, parents that I work with have so many relatives, neighbors, yep. etc., that are giving them um, usually unwanted advice, um, especially they, they'll eat when they're hungry. Um, when the child has a reaction that's a fight or flight or even like a pain reaction to eating, they're not going to eat um, when they're hungry. They're not just going to start eating. The staying um, power of a kid with autism is yes, yes. pretty good. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, the whole idea of having dessert or um, something until you finish, often, again, their, their reactions are so intense that that is not going to be enough of a reward for a child with autism. And that whole concept of um, having dessert or first this, then that sometimes is something that's difficult for children as well. So um, usually a child that is a sensory eater or um, a defensive eater or has oral aversion will need to have a much more structured plan to um, try to improve their eating. Yeah, and there, I know there's a lot of work involved with that. Like, fortunately, with my son, he now eats everything, but I remember when he was little, it was pretty much like the white diet or the brown diet. It was mm -hmm. some Ritz crackers, rice, you know, real plain stuff. And I remember when he was sick, they said, do the bland diet, He's or he, he shouldn't be eating the rice. And I thought, oh my God, what am I gonna do? It's one of like three things that he eats, you know? Right. And it took a while to get him to where he is today, fortunately. So, you know, as parents are going through this whole process, which can be a long process, do, do you have any advice or approaches that parents can do while they're working with yeah, their child I, on I this? Yeah, I mean, yes, definitely. Um, and every child is different. Right. Just like yeah, every keep child- keep that in mind, yeah. Yes, with autism is very different. <laughs> Um, every child with their um, feeding sensitivities is different too. So treatment approaches vary greatly. Um, there are some kind of recognized approaches that um, some people use. There's one called SOS. There's food chaining. There's ABA um, techniques that you use with food. Um, but often, you know, some advice that I'll give parents is really, one, first, take a deep breath. Yeah. Um, this is not something that you typically can um, see really quick improvements. It's a, it's a slow process. Mm -hmm. um, and you really have to start where the child is um, and advance slowly. Um, that would be my number one um, advice. Um, usually routine around feeding is really helpful. Um, children on the autism spectrum and children with sensory processing and children in general um, do great with routine. So if you have, um, you're eating at the same time, the same location, the same utensils, um, that typically is very helpful. Um, I also often recommend multi-sensory activities and um, different things to try to get the child more tolerant of different 
textures and smells and um, different ways to explore foods that are uh, less aversive and um, anxiety provoking. So um, like play with your food, play with your food, <laughs> touch your food. I mean, sometimes really the first step for a child with a new food is just the tolerance of being able to tolerate it on their plate. Mm -hmm. um, so some childs will be selective just by um, sight alone. Uh, and I often, and some children will be very brand specific. That's with yes. picky eaters and sensory eaters. And they know the difference. If it's, they know the difference between a McDonald's chicken nugget yes. and a Burger King chicken nugget. Yes. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> yes, yes. And so I always do kind of um, encourage families when they can to, as far as packaging, because some kids will be very package um, specific that they will only want a certain you know, type of go-gurt that's in that certain package. Mm -hmm. So when you can, if you can put the food in just like a generic plastic bowl or on a plate, yeah. that's helpful to try to uh, um, get them to expand a little bit and not be so stuck on the packaging. Um, also making the food easy to manage so that it's easy to pick up, easy to chew, um, helping having the children help you with the cooking and preparing foods you're just trying to increase the tolerance of just being around different smells textures tastes etc without that pressure of without the pressure eating. of eating right um a, a lot of children do really well with a section plate um one technique that um, i've done a couple times with some kids is where we'll have three foods um, two are preferred and one's non-preferred on a sectioned plate mm -hmm. um, so that they just initially have to just tolerate this non-preferred food on their plate right. and then slowly see if they can touch it, see if they can smell it, see if they can bring it to their lips, see if they can taste it, kind of like that slow progression. Um, family style, uh, having having all the um, food in like big plates um, and serving everybody together is helpful. Uh, lots of positive reinforcement. Um, and really building on what the child tolerates. So if your child only eats McDonald's chicken nuggets, trying to slowly, um, very minutely kind of change that so that maybe they'll try a McDonald's chicken nugget cut in a different shape. And then maybe you can try something similar to a McDonald's chicken nugget cut in an individual shape or something along those lines. Um, and then some, some um, therapists will also recommend doing some sensory activities before a meal, like deep pressure or a nook brush or sensory textured play to try to get them a little bit desensitized to whatever sensory system kind of goes into overdrive when they're eating. Um, so it's a lot of work, but ultimately you want to have an enjoyable dining experience. Right. And I know for for parents, you don't have to do this alone. So before we wrap it up, you, you don't have to do it alone. So who can families contact to to get help in this area? And it may be depending where you are or how old the child is, but where, who do you speak Right. With? So for young kids, and that's usually where you first start to see the issues, um, often early intervention programs, um, birth to three programs, mm -hmm. 
we'll have um, occupational or speech therapists that have some um, advanced training in different feeding approaches. So that would be one um, avenue. There are also a lot of feeding clinics and um, specialty feeding programs that are usually in like a children's hospital or a higher end um, pediatric hospital. Um, sometimes I, I think having a nutritionist on the team is really helpful. Um, that's been helpful for us in early intervention when we're giving suggestions because that's really a big concern for the families that, you know, they're only eating these yeah. seven things. How can we, you know, increase their nutrition? So that's helpful. Um, and then some of the large nonprofits like Easter Seals UCP, um, in different areas, not in Berks County, unfortunately, have feeding clinics. Um, and um, Easter Seals, I think, in this area and some other private practices have outpatient um, feeding therapists, so outpatient OT or speech that work on feeding. Okay, so there is help out there. Yes, there definitely is help <laughs> out there. Help. And you are n not yeah. alone. It's one of, I would yeah. say it's what I primarily work with in yeah. early intervention is feeding issues. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dory. Yeah, thank <laughs> for, you for having me. Yeah, thanks for explaining this and clarifying it, what the sensory eating is all about. And I really hope it gives folks a, a better perspective of what's really going on when it comes to the challenge of learning to tolerate different foods. And if you know someone who needs a little more convincing, please share this episode with them. We all, we all know somebody who wants to do it the old school way. So um, thank you for listening. And until next time, this is Autism Society of Berks County, Inspiration and Impact. For more information, visit us at AutismSocietyOfBerksCounty.org, join our Facebook page, Autism Society of Berks County Members Group, and check us out on Twitter, at Berks Autism.